I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. On today's episode, we welcome Amanda Christensen, a good friend and colleague of mine here at USU Extension. She not only shares some interesting research findings from the studies she's done, but she gives us six practical tips and lessons learned from that research and her years of experience helping people manage their money. Amanda Christensen is an Extension professor and accredited financial counselor responsible for statewide personal finance education through USU Extension. She's editor of the Utah Money Moms blog, and she's active on social media at Utah Money Moms. She and her team are the recipients of two consecutive Best of State awards for efforts to improve financial wellness across the state. You can view their live webinar schedule or request a free class for your group at finance.usu.edu backslash EFW. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Stronger Marriage Connection. I'm Dr. Dave here at Utah State University, alongside Dr. Liz Hale, our licensed clinical psychologist. We are bringing you the best research and resources, some tips and some tools to help you create the marriage of your dreams. Oh, Liz, I am super excited for our guests today. As we talk about finances and yep. money, all this stuff that can get in the way of, of relationships, you might say, Liz, that she is on a, a money mission to help couples mm. with one of the most stressful and problematic areas in marriage. Now, she's yep. a great friend and a fellow extension colleague here at Utah State University. She's also the creator and queen, I'm going to call you queen, Amanda, of the Utah Money Moms website and social media, the one and only Amanda Christensen. Welcome to Stronger Marriage Connection, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with both of you who I admire and respect. So thank you. Thank yeah, goodness for you, Amanda, and this hot topic. We are, are locked and loaded. I know Amanda has yep. to tease her. She has her Diet Coke and I have my Diet Dr. Pepper um, because it's, we're mm -hmm. avid fans of, of, our, of our soft drinks. <laughs> and so we're, we're ready to go. Um, let's jump right in because we have a lot of territory to cover. In, in my own research with uh, newlyweds that I've done, and there's tons of, of other studies that, sh that show similar results. Amanda, why is it that money is consistently in the top three marital struggles for couples? Well, I think we have deep-rooted money beliefs, don't we? That and, and we don't really know they're there unless we do the work to unpack them, but they're there. It is pretty easy to let go when you don't like the way your spouse loads the dishwasher. And you're like, that's just going to be fine, and we'll deal with that one. But, you know, if he never puts his shoes all the way in the closet so the closet door can shut. Okay, but when they spend down a savings account on a purchase that you view as unnecessary or frivolous, and that triggers the sense of scarcity you felt as a child, it's, it's really hard to even, one, identify where that feeling for you comes from and then effectively communicate your feelings 
in a way that's supposed to bring you closer together. I mean, this is this is just the consistent battle that I think couples really spend a lifetime navigating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it seems like it's the number one. Oh, excuse me. Go ahead, Dave. Sorry, I think I interrupted. I didn't know you were. No, 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 no. It, it seems like it stems from this this fear almost is this, you know, I've talked about the three needs of safety, satisfaction and connection. And it feels like that money goes into all of those, right? Whether they, whether it's safety, this fear of we're not going to have enough, where it's I use my money for satisfaction or I use, use my money for connection. But Amanda, it sounds like you're getting into the, the very heart of this, this, this fear of whether it's not having enough or we're not going to be able to pay rent if you did this. And so that causes this, this innate fear. Is that what you're saying? Sure. I think fear is a great way to describe the underlying the underlying issue and, and those deep-rooted beliefs, many aren't even aware that there's maybe some work to be done there to unpack those. And so um, that would certainly be an invitation to all, but um, it, it's just a consistent everyday topic, isn't it? You can't avoid money. You can avoid some of the other things. You can avoid talking about it, certainly, but it's not something we, we can avoid. It's part of our everyday life as well. So it's pretty consistently in there amongst the things that cause issue it is money is a topic um, if not in every conversation i have with a couple in private practice men and dave it's in most and we're dave and i were just talking before we got started with you that um we married you know very different aspects of our life dave you and your sweetheart married earlier right you were going to school and, and tell a little bit about money for you and that that arena that timeline yeah, you know, it's funny, Amanda, as I think back to some of the, I don't know, you know, perhaps we've made some money mistakes, but it was like, what what money, right? For 10 years, <laughs> I was going to, to yeah. school, and we were just yeah, scrimping yeah. And, and saving, mm-hmm. trying. And so money really was was very tight. And so any kind of decision was like, okay, we both have to be on the on the same page. We would save it up, actually, we, for experiences. That was the, the thing that we could splurge, hey, let's do a date night or something, because we just didn't have a lot of money. And then, and my husband and I, we married later in life, right? So we were both 50. So we had our own money that we band together. And I remember earlier on, maybe even before we got married, I mentioned to, I said something to, to Ben. It's like, how about we, um, you know, spend as we feel is necessary. But if, if it's a purchase over $100, we just let each other know, you know, get each other's buy-in, so to speak, no pun intended. And then we go a few years down the road and Ben one day says to me, as he's looking at the credit card statement, right? Remember that? Remember that promise we made about checking in with each other if the purchase was going to be over a hundred dollars more? And I'm just saying, what what promise? <laughs> what was that again? So you know, we forget to check in again. I, I forget sometimes. I should speak for myself. It's like, oh yeah, there is somebody on the other end of this that I need to explain it. Or you know, I'm, I'm not very proud of sometimes uh, the particular credit card will ding on my husband's phone every time it's used to try to protect against fraud, but it's like, ah, do I really want to use that credit card on this? (laughs) I'd like to delay the conversation. So I have made my share of money mistakes. What would you say, Amanda, is the number one or two mistakes that couples make in regarding money in their marriages? So in other words, if you had a magic wand, right, and you could wave it to stop people from doing one or two things, what would that be and why? That's such a great question. I, I think there are a couple of things that stand out. The first would be is um, is not giving each other money autonomy. 
is a pretty big money mistake. So and not enabling and allowing each other to have our own money decisions and our own money that we can spend without, you know, nothing to do uh, with my spouse or what he or she thinks about this money. And, and also in return, no um, judgment or, <laughs> or, or opinion really that, uh, about how I choose to use that money. So, so money autonomy is a big one. And then, and then I think as I've seen the folks I've worked with or the, the teaching that I've done in my career, it's, I don't think we take enough time to celebrate money wins. Uh, how much debt we've paid off this year looking back or how much closer we are to our emergency savings goals. Uh, you know, because you're just, it seems like you're always working on something. You're never in a perfect money scenario. Like as Dave mentioned, maybe we don't even feel like we have money to set a goal with right now, but uh, we could certainly do, uh, I think a better job or uh, it would be a mistake to not celebrate money wins. Good point. You know, on money autonomy, my question for you is, is that, are you talking about each person have kind of having kind of a slush fund that they have this agreed upon amount? Yes, that's exactly what I, I would recommend. The agreed upon amount. So we're establishing trust by saying, I'm going to only spend this agreed upon amount and I'm not going to go over that. But, but within that amount, I'm going to use that money for my spontaneous money personality. I have, I have quite a spontaneous money personality. I also, I also like to give with money. So if I see something that reminds me of a good friend, or a sister-in-law, or a spouse, or a child, I often like to purchase for them. And I thought of you, and this is a way of showing love and connection. So for that in someone to be um, to be looked on as she's just a spender, or, you know, to be even um, degraded, would, is that is a very bigger issue. And money autonomy can, the lack of money autonomy can lead to financial abuse, even in relationships. So trying to avoid all, all of that, of course, certainly. Do you, are there money personalities? You mentioned that spontaneous and that giving type personality. Yeah. Do you have a questionnaire or anything? Yes. Um, we talk about money personalities quite a bit in the Power Pay Money Master online course. That's where we link people over to take a free money quiz to learn their money personalities. Yes. It's very fascinating because there's a, there's, we, we all, we have a sort of a mix of different personalities that, that come to light at different times based on major events that happen in our lives or, um, usually major events trigger those personalities to change a little bit is what I'm saying. So it's fun to study those continuously and quiz regular, like annually to see how that money personality may or may not change. Did we change? Just let's just do a quick tease and then we'll tease it again. What is that website we go to for the questionnaire? Sure. The, the questionnaire is found in the online course. It's powerpay.org. And you'll see there on the screen, there's a link to sign up for the PowerPay Money Master online course. And uh, listeners can use the code FWFREETANF to register for free. Awesome. And we'll post yeah, that link in you. case you, in, you yeah, listeners are driving thank and they heard that. that. We'll post that link in the, in the show notes as well, Amanda, because I think, yeah, yeah great resources um, that we can share. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, you bet. Uh, 
Now, you've done your own research and, and you've studied this for years, years and years. And this might be you know, the million dollar question, but we really want to know how do couples with great marriages handle their finances? You know, what, what are couples doing that, that is that's going well? Uh, can you share some of the, the results from the research that you've done? Yeah, I would love to. This I would love to. You ask someone who's done any any kind of research to share their research, you're gonna get a you're gonna get a bucket full of days. Right. So. Love. Here we go. <laughs> Dr. Pepper Handy. Yeah. That's right. uh, so I have to give you a little bit of background about the research and then you'll see why this is so special. This uh this was a qualitative research done with a strengths-based framework, meaning we're gonna try and pull out the strong you know, the aspects that are positive, even you could say about this research here uh, in how we're asking the questions and how the, how the questionnaire was sort of sculpted. It was exploratory. So it's not meant to generalize all married couples. It's not meant to say, you know, it's not meant to be indicative of, of everyone. But needless to say, people voluntarily filled out a 31 page questionnaire and said, we're willing to tell you about our great marriage and they self-selected meaning I feel like I have a great marriage so I'm going to participate that's how we found couples in great marriages the question we're dialing in on today and the results from that I'm sharing are are a question that said that asked this talk about money Disagreements over money are perhaps the most common type of disagreements couples have. How do you manage money? How do you deal with debt? Who is in charge? What conflicts do you have over money, if any, and how do you resolve them? So the loaded question, it's quite a lot to answer. So folks just gravitated towards one aspect and, you know, they told us whatever they, they were going to tell us. And, and a huge shout out to Alina Johnson and Linda Skogran, who I, I joined in, and participated on this research with, who really sort of sculpted me as a young person. And uh, I, I think about them every time I think about this topic. So shout out to both of them. Um, demographics are fun because they the wives and husbands were anywhere from 23 to 89 years old. So we have quite quite the experience, married three to 67 years, you know, so, so this is fun to think about the types of folks that were responding when we go through what, what came from the results of this research. And I like to mention that the other thing that's fun to mention is that income ranged from 14,000 to $250,000. So, sort of ran the gamut there with what what money was available, as you mentioned earlier, for folks to be to be arguing about or to be dealing with, right? So that's fun. Just just some fun um fun things to share before diving into the themes. Um the themes there were there were seven that came out when people respond and we pick apart the answers and we pile them together in similar, you know, responses. We find seven themes. And the first being that one spouse typically handled the day-to-day finances, the budgets or paid the bills. Really no surprise here, uh, but nearly two thirds of the couples stated that outright. That's that one of, one of them in particular was handling the day-to-day finances. The reasons varied. 
So experience or time or desire. Um, and there were a few more women than men, but it was, it was pretty evenly split with leaning, leaning in favor uh, to the women just a little bit more. So that's theme one. The next theme was trust. This came out really clearly in the survey data that both the person managing the finances and the other spouse had trust with each other, with what, what was going on, what was being managed. And the other, the other sort of caveat to this that came out was that trust must be earned. Isn't that interesting? So that trust was something they, they started with or thought like, yes, I trust this person I'm marrying, but that maybe there were experiences along the way that built that trust that said, okay, I, I see that you're, that you're not dropping the ball here or that you, you really do have our family's best interest at heart. Right. So trust was earned as well as, as being an, I'm, you know, surely an initial aspect that accompanied these relationships. A third theme was communication. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on any of these themes as we go through. But communication, well, well, no wonder. <laughs> Happy to have this one showing up here in this in these results. But, but the spouse managing was informing the other spouse that there was regular communication. And Liz, to your point earlier, over a third of the couples specifically said discussing major purchases was important. Yes, and clearly. If you'd asked that question outright, you imagine every single one of them would have said, yes, it, it's important. So communication, especially as it related to that, to those major purchases. The fourth theme, this is the fun one. This is the joint or separate account dilemma. The great debate in the personal finance world, and there are you know, financial personalities out there who have very strong opinions about what people should be doing. So are you ready for this? No trends were apparent. No trends were apparent, meaning we can't say we couldn't trend it. We couldn't say that this is the majority said this or, or, or any, any of that. Some, but some, the couple's who did bring it up felt really strongly one way or another. Yeah, it's interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So a side note or a caveat, as I take this one step further, this thought, this theme, we've, is that we've got to, we've got to be really careful what we tell people they have to do with money, right? That it's got to be in a joint account or that it's got to be separated. Uh, there, that's probably unfair. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's where I, I go. Sort of. We'll be right back after this brief message. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America, but the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? 
I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. And we're back. Well, let's dive right in. Yeah, because I do. I, I hear that a lot, actually, Amanda. I know. It's like, okay. I've said it. I've espoused yeah. it. I'm guilty. Yeah, I have this, but mm-hmm. uh, but I, I know couples, you know, it, it's a remarriage or, or it could right. be someone has a business and they kind of mm-hmm. want to keep things separate mm-hmm. or they're just like, ah, I just prefer to have our, our own account. So you're saying whatever works for that couple. Absolutely. That it should be discussed and what's best for them rather than a societal enforced value Beautiful. that they feel they have to fit in. And then when they don't, well, then there's mm-hmm. just an automatic stressor, right? Yeah. And I just want to point out with this one, it feels like I'm going to go back to the other to two of the others, communication mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trust, because if it's, hey, yeah, yeah. separate account, have to have the communication and trust. So it totally makes sense. Yeah. Great point. The, fifth, the, the, yeah, yeah, the fifth theme here, <clears throat> arguments about money. This is fun to me because some had never argued about money. Not once. It was not something they had argued about anything. Are they... Are they telling the truth? So no, in their minds, they have never argued about money. Some couples currently had money arguments. Currently. We're currently not really on the same page about them. And yet here they are filling out a great marriage survey, feeling like this is maybe not part of what makes our marriage great or not. I love that. Uh, the sixth theme was little or no debt really clearly pulled out of the, of this, this group that they specifically stated they had little or no debt or that debt was a priority. They were both on the same page working to pay off quickly. And then a final theme is uh, to live within their means. This came out really strong as well. People say it in different ways, but ultimately expressing that they they do not want to buy what they can't a- afford to pay for that they were frugal with what they had and enjoyed what they had but they lived within the means that allowed them to operate that way you know so that's it those were the seven that came out just the one one spouse handles the finances. There was trust, communication, no trends towards joint or separate accounts. Arguments about money. Some had never had them. Some were currently having them. Little or no debt. And they lived within their means. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. What, what comes to mind is I'm thinking sometimes we have this, this cookie cutter approach. You know, if, if you'll just do this, this, it's almost like the prescription approach to relationships, which, which I'm actually against. And so this is, this is comforting to know that if you have a foundation of, of trust, right. And if you're communicating about it, then, and you're, you're on the same page about the, the finances, you don't, you don't jump into these, these debts or a lot of credit card debt because it creates stress. 
But generally, um, each each relationship, if you will, marriages are are different, and it's a matter of working together to to make things work instead of saying, "Oh, you've got to do this this way in order to have a happy marriage." Yeah, yeah. This is the lingo that we like to get away from. And as a financial educator, we say personal finance is personal. So that's that's the kicker. Is personal. You know, I and, and we the more we can learn and, and develop a sense of this self around how I operate with money and think the the better and and then realize when you hear a loud voice out there saying this is the only way to do something, that's maybe a moment to to be critical and or to put on our critical thinking cap and say, Ooh, but how does that apply to my situation? Yeah. We love this qualitative research, Amanda. Really nice job, you and your team on this. So really, what are the overarching lessons learned then and the tips that you have from these great couples in regards to money, please? Yes, sure. So the the interpretation of the theme, or if I were telling someone, what do I walk away with today and do? Well, what's my call to action now that I know this? The first would be to have a plan for your money. And um, this, the statistics show that there's a huge behavior gap here, meaning we, we know what we should be doing and what we actually do are a little, little skewed uh, with this have a plan for your money. A plan could be anything from an annual, an annual plan where we, we go out on a money date and we, and we dedicate some time Looking back on celebrating wins, right? What did, what did we win with money last year? And by the end of this next year or time period, where would we like to be? Where, where What could we shoot for? So having that's a plan. If that's all you ever did, that would be better than nothing, right? That That's a plan. It could be a monthly plan with a very specific goal for a grocery budget spend under the current inflationary period. And, you know, those are, that's one area where people can usually save them the most is if they really stick to to a plan for a grocery budget, for example. So it could be as detailed as that. It could be as broad as a plan for this year. What would we like to see accomplished or happen? So that would be the first. Have a plan. Mm -hmm. Have a plan. The second would be to develop financial trust. And the two of you can probably speak better than I can to how, how someone develops trust with a spouse or partner. Uh, what came to mind to me was what we discussed earlier, Liz, about start maybe with a personal allowance. If you feel like there's an opportunity to build trust in your relationship, what kind of, how could we do that, right? What is there an opportunity to implement some sort of personal spending slush fund for each other? Even if it's very limited, even if it's $20, a $20 slush fund that is an amount I commit to stick to and not go over, and, and the same my spouse commits to me, is pretty uh, great step to building trust in a, in a relationship with money where maybe there hasn't been before or there, there needs to be a stronger feeling of trust. Uh, another theme, um, talk about large purchases. These these couples specifically mentioned that a handful of them specifically mentioned large purchases. Now, the struggle with 
$100 is that you can go to the grocery store and easily spend more than that. And no one's calling their spouse at the grocery store to discuss that decision in the moment, right? But there are other, so maybe it's, it's a, it's a limit in a talk. Yeah. In a category that's, we're not going to talk about, we're not going to spend this unless we're both on board. Um, so talking about large purchases is certainly, certainly uh, something I would take from this and decide how that fits into my scenario. Right. Um, another one would be talking about reducing debt and this is not a failure. This is not a moment of pity or failure if you currently have debt. Notice the results from the theme here, little or no debt, and or couples were very seriously committed to paying down debt. So possibly talking about reducing debt, what are we willing to go into debt for in the future? What are we unwilling to go into debt for? And how committed are we to our current debt payoff? Uh, which is something my, my spouse and I, really talk about pretty regularly. We uh, we were in the middle of an adoption and, and actually are finalizing that this week. Uh, oh so thrilled, so thrilled to hear that. Thank you. Uh, with that, oh. with that happy, wonderful, mm-hmm. you know, no one would say yeah. I'll, I take that debt happily. Let me just say we're, oh, we're yeah. thrilled to be paying on, on adoption debt, but, but we are also being very purposeful and, um, and we're, you know, we're going to talk about how that's going to look and what that means, right? So no one with debt should currently feel any kind of shame or feeling like they're, well, they must not be able to have a great marriage if they have debt. Oh. Uh, and then, what go ahead. Good. No, what else? Please. I'm, I'm just anxious to hear the next one. I'm yeah. loving it. Two more that I feel like come come out of this this research project, talk about how you will live within your means. We talk about that generally. And sometimes I wonder if we will really know what we mean when we say live within our means. The general definition would be we, we spend less than we make. What comes in fully covers our needs and our wants, including saving and investing for the future and any charitable giving, right? We're covering, living within our means, covering all of all of that. So that may be me. That may mean that for now, we're going to go without something as we add an adoption payment into the scheme of things, right? We, we're going to maybe go without something for a moment until things are a little more situated, and then we're going to bring that back. We're we're going to tell ourselves there will be a temporary shift to allow for that living within our means. And we're committed to that. That's important to us. So, so that's okay. And that's something that's agreed upon, right? Diet, diet Coke, right? And then you're just going to go without that. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're going to no go without Coke. it. Yeah, sure. Or we're going to, Oh, did you say Diet Coke? Cause I'm yeah, no, cause that's diet game Coke. over for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> non-negotiable. Yeah. Non- those are needs. Yeah. Those are needs. We have our yeah. limits, right? We, we have our limits. We're lying in the well, sand. And yeah. my sweet husband would never, he would never even suggest it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah don't, don't go there. Yeah. And, you know, maybe the better conversation there for some, for some, it's easy to go without and say, we're just going to cut this completely for a short period of time. For others, it may need to step down. It may need to look like, you know, going to the movies is something we really love. 
But maybe we're going to hit the matinee and we're going to sneak in our own candy because we're not going to pay the movie theater price for the candy anymore. For a time. You know, I mean, whatever that is, right? It's a step down or it's a go without to live within your means. And everybody's on board with that. For a short period of time, for sure, we can handle going without, right? And then working together is my final. During financial challenge, everyone will experience financial challenge. No one is immune to financial challenge. And because financial challenge presents itself doesn't mean that something personally, there's no, I should never attribute that to my personal sense of self, right? That's, I, I am separate from that. So that challenge I can face head on with my spouse or partner and work together during that challenge. Even if that starts something simple as a brainstorm, uh, uh, what, what are the options available to us right now? And we, we do that together. We each pick a few and we tackle those things that, that help us. So those are the things, having a plan, developing trust, talking about large purchases, reducing debt, living within means and working together during challenge are, are the things I would, I would hope we to emulate myself uh, as a result of, of researching these couples in great marriages. Ooh, I'm just so curious about something. If it's come up and man, if you don't mind, sure. throw it out real quick, Dave. Um, but I really love this idea of living with the end in mind, right? Especially as we're older couples it, what is our end goal? Is our end goal to leave some wealth behind or is our end goal to spend every minute right up until our last days? Is that, does that need to be considered when you're living within your means? Is that part of that, that end goal? Where Absolutely. are we going? That's a great comment. And it might look differently depending on, you know, if I have a great posterity that I'm hoping to support or, or if I, if I don't, uh, it would look differently depending on your situation, but absolutely the end in mind. What is the end then? How do I envision that looking? And how getting on the same page, right? Yeah. How does that affect today? Uh, you know, the, the statistics currently aren't great. Less than half of Americans, are actually way less, closer to like 30% uh, are prepared for retirement. Retirement, yeah. So, and then the, and then a recent survey uh, through Bankrate and NerdWallet has also done one, but at researching current current retirees to say, are you are you going to make it? Are, are you is this what you thought it would be? Did you prepare enough? And the majority, seventy percent of those folks saying, no, this really probably isn't going to suffice in the current economic conditions. So. Economic conditions change, things fluctuate, but you, you really dial into a good point here, Liz, where what we desire, what our end goal doesn't change, doesn't have to change. This can be, we can find that out and work towards that together. Absolutely. Again, Dave and, <laughs> Dave and I were talking a little bit about that, of, of what really does bring us joy, right? While we might have great posterity, my husband and I and our nieces and nephews, I don't know that I really want to leave them a chunk of change. I'd rather we spend that money as we go. And create great memories with them together in the meantime, right? Between now and the end of life. Yeah. No. I'd rather use that with them. Oh, absolutely. Not leave that to them, if that makes sense. Yes. Yes, I love that. What a great, what a great value there to have the, to have this determined and be able to make the memory, right? I, I'm, I'm a spend on experiences 
person and my husband tends to lean a little more towards the spend on things. And so together we make for a really fun marriage because we have <laughs> and the things. Yes, good. Good for you. Yeah. And the baby or the adoption. I'm just so right. Oh, it's just great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can hear that. I can hear that in your voice. We're so happy for you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thrilled. Um, Amanda, we like to ask all of our, our guests uh, this question. In your mind, what is the key to a, a stronger marriage connection? Oh, the key to a stronger marriage connection. As it relates to my topic today, can I narrow it down there? Yeah. And I'll say um, understanding each other's money script or money stories. Um, so, so let me define that. So experiences with money that shape the lens with which you make money decisions. You, you can accomplish this. You can figure out what it, what is my money script? What is my, 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 uh, my lens with questions like, what are my first money memories? Uh, what money lessons did I learn from my father? What money lessons did I learn from my mother? Uh, what was my first major purchase? Uh, you know, or a first job? Uh, oh, you know, those sort of questions sort of dig out this, this uh, money script that we all operate with that shape a lens that we view good and bad with money through. And I think that the strengthening, uh, to strengthen a marriage connection would be seeking to understand my spouse's script and then and then to be understood myself, you know, so first you got to do the work to find out what is my money script? What is it? What do I, what is mine? And then I'd like to know about yours. And then I'd like to share mine. And, and I feel like that that's a little unique. I'm not sure in all of the worry about paying the bills and saving and, you know, all the things we take care of with money. We talk about vacations. We talk about fun things that we want to do with money. Uh, possibly something that could enrich and strengthen a marriage connection would be learning each other's money script. Mm -hmm. Love it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Going forward, I feel better prepared to be a better marriage therapist in this area of money because of you, Amanda. And again, I want to make sure, we want to make sure that our listeners know where to find you again. What's the best place to find you and your resources, please? Sure. Well, Utah Money Moms on Instagram. If you are on the gram, that's where we are most active on social media. We really enjoy having conversations with followers there. Um, we also have a lot of resources at finance.usu.edu. So that's another place I would send people for the free webinars that my team and I teach weekly uh, for the online course links there as well and a lot of free printables downloads that you can take and, and use um all of that is housed at finance.usu.edu sweet thank you yeah and i'm gonna just echo i'm gonna put another plug in for those uh, amanda amanda and her team they do an amazing job if you're not following her on social media again so, so many so much free information good information if you have debt there's tools 
and tips and worksheets and guidelines. Just just go to go to those websites. We're gonna again we're gonna post those um, those links in the show notes, and so you go visit those and and follow Amanda for all these tips and tools and so much um, more. Um, and Amanda, another thing we like to ask our guests before we we let you go is a takeaway of the day. Uh, you, you talked about uh, so much today. If if there's one message that you hope that our listeners will remember, what would that be? What's your takeaway of the day? Even couples in great marriages disagree over money. I think that's my takeaway. So don't fret it. Seek to understand, then be understood. Be willing to come to the table and chat and and know that even couples in great marriages disagree about money. And it's okay. I love it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, Liz, what about you? And and even marriages in debt, right, Amanda? Even marriages in debt. No shame, no shame. I love this, the whole notion, and I'm going to really work on that in my own practice, is that at least in this qualitative research, there was no trend on whether joint accounts or individual accounts are best. It really is what works for you. And I do. I personally love what works for a couple. So thank you for that. Dave, what about you? What's your greatest takeaway today from your interview, our interview with Amanda Christensen? Yeah, man, Amanda's uh, the expert again, the kind of the queen of this this money matters. I think uh, in my mind, what stood out was the the trust and the communication. I just know, I just do know too many um, too many people, couples where one partner is has a either a secret account or a secret you know credit card and orders and orders and then has to hurry and hide the Amazon packages, you know, before the, the other partner gets home. <laughs> it's exhausting. It just feels like, mm, yeah, that, it's going to eat, eat away. And so I think that when you talked about trust and communication, I think that that, that really resonates because it's one day it's going to catch up and it's not going, it's not going to look good. Um, kind of these secret purchases. So being on the same page, I think is critically important. Allow that ding to happen on your husband's phone, right? Every time. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go, Liz. (laughs) Have the courage. Oh, have the courage. (laughs) Let the ring doorbell record it all, you know? Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Oh, well, Amanda, thank you again um, for coming on, sharing so much expertise. Uh, We sure appreciate you and, and your time for coming on today. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed being here. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, bless well, you for all. your generosity, Amanda. <laughs> yeah, very kind. Thank you, thank you. And that's all now um, for this episode, my friends. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. And remember, it's the small things that create a stronger marriage connection. See you next time. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel, where you can watch this and every episode of the show. When you hit the like button and leave a comment, your feedback helps us improve the show. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore or what you loved about today's episode. If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at StrongerMarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. And finally, a big thanks to our producers Rex Polanis and Alexis Alcott and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience. 
You make this show possible. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.